brother Aunt. Um, yeah, uh, continuing the dialogue. Um, what was the last thing you were saying? We were talking about. We were talking about. The, we were talking about the concept of uh, blackness in the white racist context of America. Um, how it, how it's always been a demeaning and devalued uh, position versus color. I, in my opinion, I could be wrong. But it seems to lead that way. And you were saying, what about that? I was saying that you were absolutely right. And I think the position that we take is why do white people teach whiteness? Right? I mean, that's part of their value system. You know, why do they have definitions of the word black being silky, ugly, uh, dirty, uh, like the devil is always in darkness, the evil? You know, these are all definitions based around the color black. And then we look in the dictionary, and I suggest everybody look it up. The word white, pure, a great, godly angel, because you know the devil fool cake is black, right? The angel fool cake is white. You know, God is always showing us white, right? Mm. But, but the reality is, they're teaching their cultural ideas. That would help them to identify, right, to making them a success in this world. You know, like Francis Chris Welding said, right? You know, this is a genetic annihilation. Well, hell, everything on the planet, man, wants to survive, right? And so they have created an environment based off of nature that allows them to survive. And so they support to teach whiteness. It's ridiculous for us to think that they would actually have a school, right, that would teach blackness. Let's say we had school systems in place, right? Then we had white students coming. And the first thing we talked about was blackness. Those white kids would go home and look in the mirror and say, damn, we're actually missing something. You, you know what I'm saying? They, that powerful life would be down, right? That's the same thing that happens to us. When we send our kids to school and they immediately start teaching their whiteness, Right? Our kids are looking at themselves, and you know, no one wants to be black. You know, we used to have tell them jokes about black. Well, you black as a damn, you so damn black, I can't even see you at night. You know, nobody want to be black. I mean, we know these things, because this is what we're taught. We're, we're, we're taught racism, white supremacy. But racism, white supremacy, that we're calling racism, white supremacy, is simply uh, European culture. Right? And so in our African societies, right, we define things based off of how it works in nature. Because we have natural societies. Okay? Their societies, right, what they're doing is, they're not looking at nature to define that term. They're trying to counter what we put in place. And so when we say blackness, okay, in, in, in Africa, amongst the Gaelics, right, the color black means regeneration. And so then we're going to ask ourselves, why does the color blackness mean regeneration? When we look at it now, when it floods, right, it puts this black soot, dirt, right, overflows the banks of the Nile, right, and this black dirt is spread. But how this black dirt, right, comes what? Comes life. Based off of the minerals and everything they collected it at the bottom of the Nile, right? It produces life. And so for us, blackness always meant regeneration. Carbon, you know what I'm saying? One of the foundations of life is carbon. Okay, this is black, right? 
talk of fact in the Sahara, you know what I'm saying? That black skin on the equator, yo, helps you survive. You got a better survivability on the sun planet. The dark you are, the better off you are, based off of the certain UVA rate. Okay? Now, if you check nature, when you find things that are white nature, a white tiger, white bears, you know what I'm saying? They don't fold well in nature. Right? Why? Because the, the color makes them stand out immediately to predators. Okay? And so for us, blackness means one thing, and to them, blackness means, whiteness means something else. So we just can't continue on worrying about what they're teaching. They're, you know, they're writing exactly on what they're teaching. But we need to recognize, yo, that it was never nothing wrong with black. And our society's always looked at blackness as being something that was just uh, uh, upright and right and exact. They saw the process of black things in nature. You know what I'm saying, brother? You know, so when we fight about don't the color black, and, and the color white and all that, man, we, we need to teach from our cultural context. So when your kids go to school, right, from a from, from a uh, educational standpoint, they're being taught whiteness. I mean, this is exactly what's supposed to happen. So that's why when, when your children come home, you have to teach the black. I mean, because cultures are cultures, and cultures are designed to teach. Hmm. So do you think that, um, that it's, um, <clears throat> It could be become something kind of irrelevant to uh, teach against something that's been over hundreds of years. It's been like a uh, global consensus brought on by the racist white people who uh, propagate blackness. Say it again, Tom. You say it is too late to teach blackness. Um, is it is it counterproductive to uh, go against something that's by now a global consensus amongst all other people, including including our people, that there's a negative connotation to blackness uh, defined by racist white supremacists? No, man, that's not. No, 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 no. See, see, see you have to start implementing things and ideas that will help you produce uh, a stronger push. Mm. Remember we talked about the sun, mm. right? Uh, we, you have to teach the blackness because teaching blackness, right, has been part of your culture from time immemorial. You know, the, the earliest depictions of, 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 of just divinity was in blackness, okay? The oldest depictions uh, of, of what the Europeans would call God, you know, the Africans would say the nature, the old depiction of forces in nature, because that's exactly what the word nature means, forces and powers, right, are depicted as black. You know, we come from the black cosmos. We come from the black womb of the woman. Right? So it's never too late. What, it, what, what, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're developing a culture that gives you an identity, right, it gives you something to stand up to that, that will give you power. And so we start to teach elements in the culture and our culture that gives us the strength to push back. Remember we talk about religion and how religion takes that power away because religion is a governing mechanism. Their God is based off of their cultural identity. That's why God always sends the white angel. That's why God is picking this white. So the, the first depiction, right, but well, one of the first pictures, I know people have been about this, is, is, is that picture, that painting. Okay? In the 16th chapel, I think it's uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Right? He, 
my points is fair out to Adam. The first human being is being white. And so they brought ushers in their culture. And ushers in their power. So, 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 so the point I'm, I'm making here is that when you download their religion, you're downloading a cultural identity, which identifies with white, whiteness, white, we call it white power. It's the Ku Klux Klan, they wear the white robes. The, 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 the Catholics, right, if you look at their ceremonies, they wear the same hood and the same white robe. He's Christians. Okay? And so that's why I fight so hard against religion, right? Because religion is their culture identity, identity and it allows them to identify with their ancestors and their culture. That's why the Christians rustled Judaism, took Judaism and recast it. And you know, that's all Christianity is. It's a recasting of Judaism. And that's all Islam is. It's a recasting of Judaism. Remember, they're all in the same building on different floors. Judaism being a foundation, Christianity, and then Islam. Because they're recasting it and they're called Chaldini. This is the same thing the Hebrews did. They recasted the older system into what you're calling Judaism. Because this is what humans do. Okay, they, they develop an identity. And so we lost our identity when we spent 800 years of slavery amongst the Arabs. We lost that identity. We lost that identity when we spent 500 years amongst the global slave trade. And I say global because it was just that global. And then you spent another 160 years, 170 years to bring it to this point. When we call folks for the free. But they don't talk about Jim Crow. Okay? Which was another process. And uh, you, Jim Crow was getting you ready for right now. He was almost free. Right, and then you and then you usher in a period of resistance that they call the civil rights movement. Like, why don't you have to fight for your civil rights? Why don't you fight for your human rights? Because everybody is civil, you know, like just to be civil, civil rights. And so the homosexual community is a part of that. Everybody is a part of that. Okay, it wasn't specific for you. Specific for you. We should have fight for the better human rights. Okay, but we didn't. So, so it brings us to this period right now, okay? And so, man, but we back to that uh, original question of blackness and whiteness, right? And is it, and should we continue to fight? Or is it, you know what I'm saying, you was basically saying, well, is it too late? Because, because, because they teach whiteness. Right, well, that's, that's why they power and grip is so serious because everybody is into white power. Specifically, black people do. You know, if it ain't white, it ain't right. Mm. And then we expect them to do for us what we should be doing for ourselves. Oh, that's that white, that's that white information. Oh, that's that white school system. What do you expect them to do? It's, it's our job as parents. That's what a parent do. A parent looks at situations and, 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 and governs govern the situation for the child. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, kids go to school and they learn what they have to learn. Then you come back and you fix what you need to fix. Because that's what parenting, that's what, what they call it. They say, if you don't send your kids to school, they're not going to be socialized. You know, they, that's what they told me when we were uh, homeschooling. The they were saying, well, to a man, the family was telling us that, you know, my wife decided to homeschool. They were saying, well, the kids are not going to be socialized. Or then when you look up the definition of what social 
socialization was, socialization starts in the home. Mm. So you have to socialize your kid. Okay. okay? So the process of socialization is supposed to take place at home. Well, then you ask yourself, well, if that's the case, then why are black people socialized like white people? Because we socialize our children at home, right, under the auspices of white power, of white culture. Mm. You know, we give them Christianity, which is the ultimate in white power. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If God is the white man, you'll sit in heaven on that throne, on that left side of Jesus, on the other side over you, or something crazy like that. But that's the ultimate in white power because the they use Christianity to enslave you. That was the excuse. Remember that? It's called the doctrine of discovery. You know, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. You know, they do that, that uh, thing as Pope, uh, Pope Fernandez, the fourth, do that line down the map. We're Spain and Portuguese, we're fighting each other and saying whatever. On, on, on one side, they belong to Spain. On the other side, I mean, they belong to Portuguese. And whatever land you discover, I don't know how you discover land when there's already people. But whatever land you discover that does not have a Christian monarch, okay, then you can enslave them to have this and take their land. And you have the right to Christianize them. But this, this is in writing. This is not something I'm making up. Okay? That's the spirit of white power. That's the spirit of whiteness. That's when all of a sudden, you know, now, now everything is black. It's gloomy, filthy, dirty. Out of order. The devil. Right? You know, they, you know, they close down your thought. They're closing down your ability to push. Remember we talk about that? This culture, okay, living this culture does not give you adequate support and pushing back. Why would I give you a culture that, why would I allow you to download this culture that would help you push back? You won't. The only people trying to push back is the people who are free thinkers. Like such as yourself. Right on. Right. Um, so I mean, um, Earlier, you, you were talking about racist white people and uh, you used the uh, the name of the group, the Ku Klux Klan. Now, here's my question about that. Just to divert just a little bit, but not really get off topic. Um, do you think it's counterproductive to associate racism with only skinheads, KKK, etc., and not white in general? Uh, you know, okay, let me, let me make it real clear. That racism, what we consider to be racism, white supremacy, Considering it to be just white culture, they don't, they don't, they don't know what you're talking about. They don't get that. I mean, that's part of their cultural makeup. Uh, and I gave an example of a, of a dog that is eating food, and you reach out to take that food. Most times, the dog will bite you, and you say, "Damn, that was wrong." I feed you all the time. Why did you bite me? Well, he's he's programmed through nature to protect his food. Okay, and so Europeans have a programming. Right? They're programmed to, you know, fear of genetic annihilation. They're, they're programmed to survive. They want to live and survive, too. They want their people to live and survive. They only think about themselves. So they're programmed to do this. Hmm. And so that's what they do. And so what racism and white supremacy is to us, it's simply culture for them. Hmm. So 
uh, in regards to the white people, right? Since that's a cultural thing in a cultural context, then uh, from a cultural context, rather. Uh, what do you feel white means? What do you feel it means to be white? Because when I look at them, I do not see the color white. Yeah, we talk about that. About the color white. No, but, but, but I'm saying, but to them, whiteness is it, it, purity. Godly. Remember, remember, they call it that idea. Germanic tribes come with the idea of God. That's a Germanic tribal understanding of the natural world. That's how they. That, that's how they understand their world, right? They they encapsulate cultural identity in the form of their god. That that's what God is. God is a political tool, an encapsulation of ideas and concepts based off of people's ancestral understanding of the world they live in. And so, although you may say they're not literally the color white, they 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 you know what I'm saying? They they what I want to say? They um that is their standard. Whiteness has become their standard. Whereas though blackness was the standard of African people. Because the black things that are black, right, ushers in life. The color black means you regenerate, it regenerates itself. It's regeneration. You're like the symbol of the dung beetle. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That black dung beetle, you know what I mean? That's regeneration. Okay? And so, although they don't look white, you know what I'm saying? They are identifying with whiteness because remember to them that God is white. Yeah, talk about that. No, that's in, I mean, whiteness is whiteness. It's almost like it's the opposite of, of black. So we always say that white is the absence of color, right? And black is the combination of color. Correct, correct. So is it safe to assume um, that seeing that it is a cultural thing when they say right. white and whiteness is like a uh, representation of racism, white supremacy. Is it safe to assume that white equals racist? Uh, I don't know if white equals race. I, I would say that white is just their identifying marker. That's what they, they identify with that. That is their level of purity. Remember, when it's white, it's pure. When it's black, it has been corrupted. You know what I'm saying? Black is corruption. That's why you they will blackball you. Not on that. That's why you will get put on the blacklist. Okay. That's why the, the eight ball is knocked in by the white ball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they always put you in a sub seven position with your blackness. And and, and speaking to what you said, and, and they promote that. And they promote that through their culture. You know, we become the niggas. The black niggas, darkies, we call the darkies. But, but this was always a positive thing to be dark. I mean, black hair. You know what I'm saying? This was, right? And then they come with the, what? With the, with the quote unquote, because the first seven million years of history, there, 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 weren't, what? there weren't any pale skinned people. There weren't any blonde hair. White hair, right? True. For the first seven million years of human history. So we come in here for seven million years, we became human. We end up as humans, homo sapiens. Homo sapiens sapiens. Oh, homo sapiens sapiens was impaled. You don't get the paleness until around 15,000 years ago. So even your first Europeans weren't pale. They might have had that blue eye, that the blue eyes with that brown skin, but they definitely weren't pale. Yeah, that's 
why they realize, that's why you find black people wearing those contacts, because they want the quote unquote pretty eyes. But what they're not telling you is, is that those colored eyes are really lacking in melanin. Okay? And the vampires always are, are dark in color, darker browns. Because that's a high concentration of melanin. Blue eyes is a lacking of melanin. You look that up, that's not, that's not pseudo. You know, people make a whole lot of pseudo claims based around color. I'm definitely not doing that. Look it up. Okay? okay? Yeah, I mean, people with the, with the quote-unquote pretty eyes have routinely wear sunglasses. You know, when black people catch that trait of blue eyes or gray eyes or light hazel eyes, man, ask them. They bring them damn sunglasses. I promise you this. Can't stand being in the sun without sunglasses. Because they're lacking melanin. We know how important melanin is. It blocks out the UVA rate. Mm. Okay. Um, oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that's just, I mean, you know, we gotta stop, like, thinking that they even pay attention. That's not, that's not how they think. They're not thinking that what they're, what they're doing is, I mean, it, this is part of their makeup. This is what it is. They're who they are. I mean, they, 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 they had to develop a survivability. And this is how they survive. And for us to think that, or even suggest that, they think they're wrong. I mean, come on, if you do 400 years of slavery and just come to now, at what part of that are they thinking they're wrong? Hmm. And you, you know, you'll find people amongst them, let's keep going into it, that recognize that what they're doing is counterproductive to the indigenous people. You know, they speak out on it. And, and you'll find it, uh, Chancellor Williams, John Henry Clark, uh, Jim James, John Jackson, you know what I'm saying? They kind of uh, 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 dealt with white scholars that 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 the white scholarly community will call rogue scholars. You know what I mean? Like like y'all not in the norm thing. Y'all going against the grain, right? And and, and they and, and, and you know they put forth that information like Darwin. Like Darwin was considered to be a quack or rogue scientist because he was the first European that acknowledged that. Human life started in Africa. He deduced from fossil remains of, of, of apes. He deduced that if the oldest such bones of apes are found in Africa, then that then the old then, then, then the first humans too must come from Africa. He's the first European to say that and they thought he was crazy. Because before this point, before eighteen ninety or eighteen eighty or whatever it was, uh, I'm not sure, don't quote me no date. If we that brain, you remember lifestyle in Asia, hmm. where Europe is located. That was the whole thing. And they even put together fake fossils. You can look at um, uh, 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 Diop's work, Chick's work, hmm. uh, Civilization of Barbarism, Authentic uh, Anthropomorphic. You can look in that book, right, and he talks about Piltdown Man. When they actually put together a, 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 a gorilla's jawbone or chimpanzee jawbone and a human skull and put that together and say, here, this is the this is the missing link. This is what humanity started. Look it up. Go down there. So the point I'm making is is that 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 you always had rogue rogue quote unquote Europeans, you know what I'm saying, that actually fought. I mean, for true scholarship that was telling the truth of who black people were. That's my point. So I don't want to put, I 
love to put everybody together. But on a whole, when it comes down to it, I mean, you know, if you deal with the, the what's really cracking at the end of the day, uh, even those rogue enterprises, uh, 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 they still have to follow the business to order the day. They're going to go with the control of the family. I mean, that's just what it is. Hmm. So, uh, let's speak about uh, some of the people who we descend from, from the continent or the part of the world that they call Africa. Um, do you feel that it was a lack of culture that uh, led to uh, those people or those groups uh, within Africa led to their demise and their capturing and their subjugation or was it a lack of an understanding of uh, what they then called Europeans and what they now call white people? It wasn't just one factor. Um, now, being self-sufficient, you know, on the continent, I mean, we were very self-sufficient. Like, we didn't need anybody else to kind of uh, uh, survive. You know, we survived off of nature, right? Mm-hmm. In, in South Africa, Central Africa, West Africa, being uh, come in contact with a lot of different people. You, you get my point? Mm-hmm. Now, when you deal with the killer, Lord Egypt, in the Delta, in the Mediterranean Sea, you know what I'm saying? These killers, they dealt with a lot of different people. Meaning, they, 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 they routinely traveled in the area of confluence. When I say the area of confluence, I'm saying the great mixing bowl. When you develop, when you take the African stock and then mix with the Indo-European or Trans-Caucasian stock and you and you form this kind of funny like Puerto Rican type. You know what I'm saying? They call it the Semite. Mm. Right? And in this area, this is the area where everybody comes and so since it's a mixing bowl, that means people are coming in and you get a lot of different cultures, a lot of different people come. And so from that, trading and trading that, that's what made killers so great that they had a far-flung trading routes. But totally different people. Whereas though, you know what I'm saying, if you go to South Africa and all that, they dealt with, you know, they trade, they had trading commerce, but they was trading in commerce with predominantly African tribes. And we know, according to get out of their work, we have a, 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 a cultural unity. When you get outside of Africa, then you get the whole thing changed. That's why all of a sudden people study myths. This mythology actually uh, 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 separates and shows you culture, distinctly different cultures. A good example of that would be fire. What does fire represent amongst the Nile Valley, Great Lake Africans, river society? What does fire represent amongst the Hittites, amongst the Persians, amongst the Greeks, amongst the Transcaucasians, and the Europeans? And as we look at this uh, 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 marker, Fire, you'll find out that amongst the Indo European tribes or Germanic tribes, fire becomes the most important thing. That's why in the Hebraic literature, you'll find them building temples, quote unquote, they claim they built these temples, where they found them, right? But they claim they built these temples, and in a certain room, they have what you call the, uh, quote unquote, don't let the sacred fire go out. Mm. You'll find amongst the Greeks, the Olympic fire keeps burning. The bunch of Persians. Fire. They're very God, holy mother, fire God. Fire. Now why amongst the Romans, fire. Why is fire so important? Because fire or ice cap, if you let the fire go off, your ass will die. Because you live in the temperatures 
where if you don't have this fire, right, then you're dead. And it's just they're not really understanding fire, right? Remember, they get fire to like lightning strikes and burn the wood, and they take that and they gotta keep it burning. Because they don't know how to start that shit back up. So they gotta keep the fire burning constantly. And they stay cold, and so in those caves, in those areas, so you need fire. And after that, you cook your food, blow that shit out. You know, the physical point, 190,000 years, they had control of fire, meaning they knew how to keep fire at certain temperatures to, to do certain things, to make, uh, to work with certain metals and work with certain rocks, like iron okra, right? They use a temperature at a certain temperature, and it makes these the, the, the iron okra easy to work with, and I'm saying, to, 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 to take scope certain things, making arrows, making axes, right? Control of fire. And when you finish that fire, you blow that shit out. So fire is not important in African cosmology or African body. That's how you can identify the Indo-European elements in the, in the Hebraic Bible. And it's easy. Mm-hmm. All right? And so I'm just talking about back, back to the original thing. Why, well, you know, you, you was asking me, why wasn't, you know, why was he seem to be susceptible to these sort of things? Well, these Egyptians, dealing with these people, you know, like, like certain certain things they had. Whenever you trade with people back and forth, you learn different things back and forth. I think the myth is, is to say that the Europeans or the, or the Germanic tribes had absolutely nothing. Then that will be going against the code of nature. Because nature allows everything to function in her. Hmm. You get that, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, we can talk that shit if we want. But the reality is, nature don't say, hey, that's black people, y'all. I mean, no. Nature make that's why white people skin a pale. Because it helps them function in an environment where the UVA rays are low. Mm. And that's why they prosper prosper in colder environment because they're they they you know, they're children of ice. Their survivability is higher in colder environment because Mother Nature made them that way. This is natural selection. That nature forms you and chooses the babies for the next generation that has a higher survivability. And having a higher survivability, they can produce higher yields of the next generation. Mm. And so in common contact with these people, the Kometans, the Ethiopians, right, they learn different things back and forth with each other. Okay? And so if these Europeans are developing weapons, right, weapons and you come in contact with them you know oh shit we gotta make sure we develop that truth but if you're in uh, West Africa and all you have to deal with is brothers and sisters dealing with certain speed and certain things then you're not gonna develop that type of technology yes remember if you're reading Chancellor Williams great work right he speaks of when did war change from the African context of, of being a gang to the European context of just straight murdering people and building weapons of mass destruction when did that change? And so warfare to us wasn't all I'll kill your opponent. As a matter of fact, so we had rest breaks in between our battles with different clans, different tribes. And you were talking all that, and then when they ring the bell again or, or hit the drum, you start fighting again, and, th- and it was all about uh, 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 what they call um, uh, out, 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 uh, out uh, what, what's the word I'm going to use? You wasn't trying to kill your opponent. Um, and maneuver. You were trying to outmaneuver your opponent. And when you did that and you had him trapped, he was always 
in a European context, they straight was killing each other. That was their warfare. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Mm. Right? And so now you got a different mindset. That's why the Egyptians understood that mindset. They came in contact with that mindset. By the time you get to whatever, you wasn't finding that mindset. You, you, you know, you was our, we was our brother's keeper. If I said I was going to try to do it, so now if you come across somebody that says, I'm doing, don't do it, then you, you, they got you. Mm. You're not expecting that out of that. And so they had better technology and warfare because they think it was based around Remember, they called you, look, if you want to know anything about Europeans, study their God. If you don't in the Bible, I, you can go put in blue out of the Bible, type in the word God and war, and you'll say that, and you'll see that they say, I am the God of war. Mm. Really saying, a translation that my culture is based off of war. Remember they fought World War One, World War Two. This ain't had shit to do with African nations. Because hmm. everything was affected them. Well, so you laid back in the tropics on the beach. So, so, so watch this. You cover most people who are sit back on the beach, swimming, fishing, hunting. You want to chill. We we don't have to, we we don't have to fight each other because you got the goddamn ocean. I'm not fighting for your fish. We have plenty of fish. We have fishing villages, bro. A fishing village is not a war village. Take fishing village, and all you choose is based off that. Even amongst the Chinese, they were farmers, like they weren't warriors like that. They turned, they turned those things to that when they had to, but that wasn't what they was functioning off of. And so back to Africa, they wasn't functioning off of that in the fishing villages. You know what I mean? On the coast, West Africa. Okay? Mm. And so when these Europeans come with these big ships, because we didn't have these big cargo ships. Remember, they come in, how do they come in at first? They come in as traders. They don't come with guns and blazes. They come and trade. They come and want to hunt. They will, they will come and trade certain animal skins and all that. Elephant tusks. They trade. So they build what? They build trading posts. And with the trading posts, then you have your what? You have your Catholic Church come in or your Christians come in. Your missionaries. We call them missionaries. Missionaries come in and talk to the people. And they mark trial signs. They mark what kind of system they have in place. They know what kind of weapons they have. So you got these trading posts. And you know you only got a chap on the trading post where your missionaries are. So now you got these trading posts they build. Missionaries, traders, right? Or they call them uh, uh, explorers, right? And then you bring in an army to protect that. What the hell are you protecting the against? So now your trading post goes from a trading post to what? To a fort. Well, they got a fort based on their culture identity. Because remember, they had to build forts. Remember, if you take it back far enough into the, the, the area of Confluence, right? They built walled cities. Because they were warring. They was always warring. They got these walled cities. And then you'll find Egyptians start to build forts to keep their ass out. So you got these forts that went from trading posts, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what did they become? 
because these trading posts, they became forts, and these churches became the last place because they, they were the dungeons where they kept the slaves after they took them in Africa, took them from the coast. They put them in these forts, right? And, they, and, and, and before they sent you out, right, remember, underneath of the church was the holding goddamn pen. And they read, they give you a thing, and they Christianize you, and they put your ass in shit. That's why it's so ridiculous to me how black people practice Christianity. Eating the gluten. Slave forts. They're churches. They're white churches. And so these people, the answer was to get the question, and the question was, well, well why, how, how come they came in like that? What we gonna put, what was it? Yeah, we just wasn't, we wasn't using that mentality. Because we didn't need that mentality to survive. Wasn't used to dealing with that type of person. Mm. That's why it's so important for the African American that is eating all of the poison and is still standing with a new African, with an African American. Mm. We get it. We're not buying it. That's why we had that conference, that wounded conference, mm. right? It's for the Ulu. I don't know if y'all familiar with Ulu. It's us lifting us. It's a co-op. Based off economics. Because we've gotten away from economics. The basis of anything we do should be economics. You know, I've always said it, yo. I've always said that economics is true African spirituality. We live in an economic cosmos. Everything is based off of economics. You're either practicing your economics or practicing someone else's uh, economics. <laughs> So you so, feel, yeah. Go ahead, bro. So, um, so you feel that our biggest problem that's facing us here in America and globally is economics. Our biggest problem facing us is that we don't have the culture in place that helps us push our economics forward. Hmm. I said we don't have a culture that 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 that, that pushes our ideas and our concepts. That, 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 that keeps us in place. Remember we talked about how CERN, and inside the core of CERN, right, there's an economic system taking place. Meaning it's energy is constantly being produced in the core. Products and goods are being produced that can push gravity back. And when the sun uses this ability to push gravity back, the core becomes solid. And it turns into this particular metal. And the star goes uh, white dwarf, where, where it triples in size, up to 10 times in size. Giant white dwarf. And then that goes supernova explodes. That means that, that the inner core has lost its ability to produce things, right, that will keep gravity away. So the question is, what is it that we are producing that pushes European culture away? Nothing. That keeps the balance because when a sun is flourishing, it has a balance. And so I tell you, nature produces things, forces you to balance your ass. And if you don't balance it, you become imploded. Then you get high rates of crime because we're not balancing European culture. We're not pushing it back. And so now you have high rates of black on black crime. You have high rates of people not wanting to be black. Yeah, high rates of the sisterhood having their hair unnatural. They're not want to be natural. Calling your hair naughty. You know what I'm saying? 
Like, this is just straight here. All this is based off of the fact that inability to push back economically. Economic 
uh, 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 foundation is controlled by the people that live there. Well, watch this now. If you control the economics in your community, now you can hire black workers. Now you can produce black products and goods. Now, the key important element in this is what? How do you control your dollar? How many times does the dollar turn over in your community is what's important. You get a paycheck from white people outside the community because ain't no jobs inside the hood. Mm. Now that you're working with Burger King, McDevils, and Innocent, all these things you're working at, you got a job, but they're still for white companies. And so when you get that check from McDonald's, what is the first thing you do? You either cash at a white bank or cash at a Mexican check cashing spot, right? Where did your money went? Come on. And then you go to the food market. White home food market. Well, Korean home, because they got the whole food markets owned by the Jewish community. Right? And they have those uh, Asian markets. So, so, so now you got paid. All white people. The first dollar you spend is in the check cash because it costs to get your shit cash. Right? Or you go get your shit cash at the bank. Account is not about black people. So that dollar you just spent in left the community immediately. Hmm. Then you buy your food, then you buy some tennis shoes, all the other people, and your money has not circulated one time. Wow. So you know what? See, we talk about those things again, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all together. We talk about the economics, right? right. We talk about how economics allows you to push back shit, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, you need economics. You need money to push back the hood. The hood is racism, white supremacy, pushing your ass to imploding yourself. Mm. Because you don't turn your dollar over enough in your community. When the dollar turns your community six, seven, eight, nine times, you develop power and certain economics, and you keep the hood out. You have a strong community, which is really a functioning sun, which functions and perishes for billions of years until it loses its ability to have enough economic power to keep back gravity. Gravity, in this case, being... Uh, racism, white supremacy. You wouldn't even complain about racism, white supremacy if you had the culture in place and push that shit back. But since you created their culture based on their culture identity and they gone, you don't push back. You actually get down with the program of pushing your own self down. Because when you look in the mirror, you think you're ugly, you think your hair is filthy, you think your skin color is dirty, you think you have nappy hair, you don't like yourself. And so you wear that makeup, you get that sun, you get that bleaching cream, yo, you get those colorized, yo, you now waterize yourself, you take your ass to church, you pray about all the shit that's happened to you based on the fact you don't have economics, then you house him, you made this shit on Monday, and you do the same shit over and over and over again. Hmm. You live the lifestyle of racism, white supremacy, because you live the lifestyle of European culture, yo. And that's why we fight that. And that's why I'm glad you got the Stringer's Report. Ain't that what you call that? I'm sorry, what'd you say? What do you call that? The Stringer's Report. How do you say that? Just, I always miss Skinner's that. Box. Say it again. Say it for me. Skinner's Box. Skinner's Box. <laughs> Skinner's Box. Right, then we can actually start the encapsulate and understand these ideas, brother. Yes, sir. Um, now, I want to um, preface this um, question by uh, coming back to our elder, warrior, scholar, master teacher, Dr. John Henry Clark, um, who had great information for us, um, speaking, of, speaking on economics. Um, seeing that um, he said in one of his lectures that 
uh, we have been taken out of our cultural womb and put into the cultural womb of white supremacy, right? Uh So now we still live in a context of white supremacy here in America. So do you think that it would be um, a better route to go if we're trying to develop a culture around that to, as you say, push back for us to develop a counter racist culture? Should we develop a counter racist culture to push back against the culture that we've been incubated in, which is racism, white supremacy? Did we develop it or are we developing it? I said, should we develop a. Yeah, 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 you're doing it right now with the Skinner's box. That's developing a culture to push back racism, white supremacy. Yes, sir. And you'll be younger brothers and sisters will listen to this, right? They come, they, they come to the channel, right? They subscribe to it. And they, and they get this, this stressed thought idea of coming from a young brother such as yourself. You know what I'm saying? That, that you, you, you are, you know, at the start of pushing African ideas and culture. I mean, when you live African ideas and culture, you, it, 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 it is designed to push back. That's why they don't teach that shit in school. <laughs> <laughs> Counterproductive. So they don't teach that in school. Huh? Yeah. I said it'd be counterproductive for white racists to teach that in school. Right. And they know it. So you don't know it. You don't know it's counterproductive to teach about uh, the white Jesus or the black Jesus or the white Muhammad or the black Muhammad or the Allah. You don't get it. Hmm. Okay, let's get on a, a, a shift a little bit and get on like a different uh, aspect of uh, of our problems. Uh, let's go to what white people call epithets or uh, stripped down name calling. Um, seeing that we have been in this culture and inculcated a lot of their teachings from a, a racist perspective, even though we're on the outside. What do you think makes us use epithets against each other as if um, any of us are the main problem versus focusing on the pushback against uh, racist, white supremacist, white people? Say it again. I bet you can't say it again. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> Because he was kind of teaching, you know what I mean? Your question, he was kind of teaching. Go again. Okay. Um, I'm talking about epithets. Uh, stripped down is pretty much name calling, which we do a lot. Name call each other, right? Okay. Um, from the perspective of, of us being um, incubated within racism, white supremacy, which means that we take on their culture or enculturate or enculturate uh, their teachings, their ideologies and things, um, they were the first people to call us names. And now we've started to do that as well. Call each other names. Um, Sambo. Negative. Um, negative, right? Yes, you know, things like that. Um, okay. Why do you think we do that? And why do you think we continue to do that if the real problem is racist white people? 
Well, we start calling them names, yeah, because we live European culture. Mm. And in that culture, blackness is a negative thing. Voodoo is evil, and you're going straight to hell. God going to get you if you pray to the mother of God. Mm. See? Yes. And so we live the culture of European high rates of black on black crime. High rates of perming your hair. High rates of being out of order. High rates of thinking people like Malcolm X and was crazy. High rates of people saying, I'm not African. No, I'm from Missouri. It's high rates of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because when we look at life through the strainer of European culture, and I'm not saying that's bad or good. I'm saying for a person to stand up, like they have to, they have to have a a a a, a system, a understanding of cultural and racial identity. Man, you they do studies on that. That racial identity is important. What do you identify to? You have to start to identifying with self and kind. And when you're not identifying with self and kind, you find these ugly names to call each other. Because remember, when you live this culture, right, downloaded by their God, seek, seek to death God is the tip of the needle. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. It is the tip of the needle that first goes in. Mm. And once you accept that God in any color, no matter what you call that God, you're still dealing with that culture because the story stays the same. You don't change Jesus to black and all of a sudden Yo was killed in Africa. And I'm saying, <laughs> change the story where Jesus was in a hood or Jesus was in a black community. Think this is the thing. He, this nigga still in Jerusalem, yo. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And so that God becomes the, the pinhead of the needle. And that goes in, and then the culture is downloaded to you through that religion. And so you're not identifying with self and kind. You're identifying with other people's politics, other people's ideas, and other people's culture. So you actually think you're white, right, and you say, hey, I want to have the American dream. <laughs> you really think you're getting the American dream? But the American dream is always an African nightmare. You think you're all people, and then you get disappointed when you find out oh, no, they're really not letting you in because most of the wealth controlled in the world is by white people. Their culture. I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm just saying you can't be them. That's why they make out so well because they want to be them. And then they'll take this and be some you and put some shit in this, make it big. They'll take the aesthetics. They'll take some of your aesthetics. You know, everybody got to have a big butt. They bought those things. You know what I'm saying? But like hip hop, now all of a sudden the rap god of hip hop is who? He becomes the rap god. <laughs> mm. He's the top. When they don't tell you about them, that one of the most important things in music is the beat. Who made the beats for Eminem? See? Mm. See what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And so back to this thing of name calling, man. We name call because we think we them. Oh, nigga, you black as a motherfucker. Nigga, you so black, nigga. I can't see with night. Or you the black sambo. You know what I mean? Because we, we don't think we're who we are. We think we're them. And so we name call. We do the same thing to us. We degrade our culture from the inside. Bro. Mm. 
Okay. Um. Well, I'll preface this by saying this: um, to be to be called something, right? Like, let's say a police officer. You know, to be a police officer, you must have a function. You must do something. Yeah. To be a basketball player, you must do something. So, with that being said, I'll ask you: What does a black person do? In the context of racism and white supremacy. What does a black person do? Because we already have the, the title black in, you know, in American society. So what does a black person do? Or some things that black people do. Okay, that's why I started it off with, uh, you know, saying things about a police officer, a judge, a um, basketball player. You know, those are titles and you must do something to be called that, you know, you're not going to be a mechanic and your profession is playing basketball. You play basketball if you're a basketball player. That's what you do. Okay. So in that context, I'm asking, what does a black person do? Because in my opinion, I could be wrong, but I see black in the context of America as more of a position versus a color. So what does a black person do in your opinion? What does a black person do? You tell me what you think a black person does. I think oh, okay. um, I think that, you know, if I keep it in context and be objective about it versus subjective, I think that being black is characterized by uh, playing a caricature, which means that it's kind of scripted. You know, this is what you do primarily. You you uh, chase after white women. You are a thug. Uh, if you're a black female, you are hypersexual, you're loud mouth, um, you're promiscuous, you know, th these are the images that we see. And, you know, as you know, stereotypes create behaviors and behaviors perpetuate stereotypes. It's like a big circle. So we can understand, like, when we see a young black child. You know, at one point, we're like, oh, he or she is so sweet. You know, that's my baby. Next thing you know, once they've been, uh, once they've downloaded the caricatures of being quote unquote black, they become thugs and whores. I got it. So you're basically saying, based off of their definition of what black is, based off of their definition and their defining who we are, right? Then then we live out that, and that's exactly what I was talking about. And as you live um, the life of racism, white supremacy, you do all the things you just said. And so black does become loud and, and ghetto. And you know black people, all black people smoke crack. And you know the black people enslave themselves. Yeah, this is part of the whole cultural identity. Identifying with others themselves makes you follow their definitions and their ideas you supposed to be because you know most people that play football, basketball, and are successful was first in the hood, first. And they tell you that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, 
like, like, like it's a glorified thing to be in the fucking hood. Like you put a badge on the hood. Like, like, come on, get to you where you got people acting like they came from the hood. Yeah. You know yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. If, 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 if following the definition of what they laid out, then you're like, well, see, I ain't listening to none of that shit. And I don't think being black is being loud. I don't think none of that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think being black, yo, is an important step towards us uh, pushing back. It's an important step to show how to identify from economics together on a global level. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, that's how I feel black shit. Well, that's how I feel a black. I mean, you know, but, 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 but you have to be black. You have to call yourself black and follow the cultural context of Africa. Mm. If you're the new African. If you're black, from their context, then you're all those things you miss. Okay. Let me, let, me, let me give a little pushback, all right? That cool? Yeah, cool. Huh? What did you say, huh? I said, go for it. Okay. What about those people that say, you know, well, people in Africa don't even like you. You know, they don't uh, they don't associate themselves as you know black. And if they do, they associate you with more so with the system that uh, apartheid and things that they're going about. So they more so call you colored. So therefore, they can't um, you know even tie in with you. What do you, what would you say to those people? Say that again. I said, uh, what about those people who would say, you know, when you said what you just said, they say, well, you know, I hear you, aunt, but those people don't even like us. You know, they wouldn't consider us black. They would consider us black, uh, well, colored in the context of which they've been brought up in, which, w- which was apartheid uh, for the most part. And, you know, they don't connect with us. So why would we... Uh, um, carry out our blackness or or revolve our culture around something from a people who don't even identify with us. You talking about African people in the continent of Africa that don't identify with us? That's what you're talking about? Yes, sir. Who would you say to those uh, people who have that question? Yeah, I, I would say then to hell with them ignorant ass Africans. Because just because you African don't mean you can't be ignorant as hell. Just because you African don't mean that you the best African on the planet. Just because you African mean that you, and you born in Africa means that you had the goddamn, uh, 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 checkmate piece on being African. See, I'm not an African because I was born in Africa. I'm an African because Africa was born in me. Mm. And last time I checked, right, they decimated the continent first. They was coming out first. You can go to Africa right now in the villages and see white Jesus all over the place. So I'm not listening to them on what it means to be African. Africans went around the world. And I'm an African living in America. And I develop cultural ideas and concepts. I'm not waiting on them to develop nothing for me. Well, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm not needing them to identify with me. They're identifying with their ignorance. They're identifying with the tell-out vision. But look, the only thing they get a black people is robbing and stealing. Look at the movies. Look at the movies. Right, this is the only picture they have of African Americans. This is what they see in the movie. What we call propaganda, true Hollywood propaganda. Okay, they're not gonna promote blackness through Hollywood. Okay, and so what do I say to that? I said, hell with them. You can't tell me 
You can't tell me how I am supposed to connect back to my ancestors. I don't need you to tell me what I can and cannot do. I don't need you to identify with me. Every black, every African on Africa can hate African Americans and it don't mean shit. It don't stop me. One monkey don't stop no show like they say. And I know people don't like the reference to monkey shit, but that's what I'm trying to point. I'm making it is that we're not waiting for the Africans in Africa to accept us. We accept them. Mm. We accept them. And when they wake up, when they listen to the African Americans, like I said, we went through the strain of racism, white supremacy. And we're on the other side saying, that's just crazy. We have taken the poison. We're the generation. We represent the generation that's going to push back. It's going to develop the economics. The Uru. Us living us. Us living us. Uru. So we're not waiting on them to identify with us. We're not waiting on anybody. We're doing what we do. We don't matter fact, we don't need them to identify with us. Because you know, man, you can go to forums on Facebook and groups of just all, they got this group called All Africans. All, and man, they be talking shit about the African Americans, man. These fools actually identify with British and French culture more so than they identify with them themselves, man. I'm not listening to their motherfucking ass. Damn, if you listen to, man, please. Please, dude. You know, listen, come on, man. They love European culture. Their first language is always a European language. Look at the, look at the CIA stack book. And, and look what, what is their primary language. And you'll find it be French, Belgium, English, or goddamn uh, French, Belgium, English, German, some shit like that. And whatever language they have taken on is their primary language. Is, is the people that colonized them. So the question is, if you fought back so much, right, and you took your shit back from white people when they colonized you, colonized you, right? Then why do you still have their language? Because remember, language transmits the culture. That's why we always change the English up. And they call it slightly ironic because we were trying to transmit our culture. And you can't transmit African culture to English. So we break it down, diversify, change it up, go to swing in, and we kind of get out, you know, because, you know, I'm a little bit slick. We use the word slick, not like they want to use the word slick. They were saying if something is slick, you know what I'm saying? Okay, the stuff that's on the ground is slick. When we were saying slick, we were saying, yo, yo, it's cool as hell. Yo, it's smooth, go on. Yo, I had an understanding Guys, other people around him, he was slick with it. We were saying niggas is cool, right? We were saying, you know, he, he put his ideas together, yo, he's smooth, he cool, he easy going. They were saying the day of weather, the temperature was cool. We were saying, I don't feel like it was cool. Mm. But we said, nigga, we wasn't saying, we wasn't saying the hatred, although we changed that way. We, we, we was put it on a higher level. A, a time of endearment. We always change the language around. You feel me? Yes, sir. She tried to transmit, you know, bits and pieces of our culture. And don't be mistaken, right? Our culture is still here. We just got to reach and get it. 
Because it's in our DNA, man. Okay, um, just to speak on the, the whole Ebonics thing, you know, because I totally agree with what you just said, uh, to take it out of the framework of them, meaning I'm, I suspect you're talking about white people. I'm just going to read a little bit of a uh, little uh, passage about who created it and for what. It was a, uh, a uh, psychologist named Robert Williams, quote unquote, black psychologist. And it says the word Ebonics was originally coined in 1973 by African-American social psychologist Robert Williams in a discussion with linguist Ernie Smith, as well as other language scholars and researchers that took place in a conference on cognitive and language development of the black child held in St. Louis, Missouri. His intentions was to give a name to the language of African-Americans that acknowledged the linguistic consequence of the slave trade and avoid the negative connotations of the terms like non-standard Negro English. Just to provide some context on that. Um, yeah, Skinner's Box, Aspects of Racism, White Supremacy. Uh, having a building session with Uncle Keck from the Armour Ross Squad. Uh, we definitely appreciate your time, sir, uh, to speak with you and build with you and uh, gain some of your understanding. Um, I'll speak with you later. Appreciate that, brother, man. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity, man. I appreciate you creating this format, man. It's so like this, man. Uh, it's, very, it's very powerful, very important. You know, I can't keep it unless I give it away. You can't keep it unless you give it away, you know what I'm saying? So as as I raise your mind, you raise other people's minds. No one is more important. Uh, we, it's important to have dialogue between the younger brothers and the older brothers, and I'm glad we have filled that immigration gap. It's just important. You know, I'm proud of you, as usual. Uh, it's important for the young brothers and sisters to fight back. It's important to take the ideas that you learn from older people to transmit them to your ideas and your concepts. It keeps the movement young. You know what I'm saying? With shows like this, it, 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 it's a powerful part of the community. You might not know that now, but I'm going to tell you this a few years now. You're going to have somebody. You're going to, you're probably having it now. You're going to have people come to you and say, man, I learned so much from your show. I learned so much from hearing you speak. All you got to do is stay the course, young brother. I appreciate you allowing me this time. I'm the Raw Squad Up. Real Black Atheism is on the ride. All right, brother. I appreciate you as well. Peace. Peace. Ulu. Ulu.